On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown, we talk about how this weekend felt suspiciously normal. We talk about why the SEC players continue to dominate the NFL draft and why the Big 12 is struggling. We examine Jalen Hurts' fit in Philadelphia, as well as how Neville Gallimore fits in Dallas. We discuss which teams we think won the draft and discuss some of the weirder parts of the NFL draft broadcast. We debut a new segment, Football Guys Talking Basketball. Yes, FGTB, where we decide if we should be excited about some of the developments in the NBA and break down episode three of The Last Dance. Then we finish the episode off with another new segment, Keeping It Local, where we talk Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon, OU President Joseph Harris's statement from the weekend, and we take a few of your questions from the mailbag. Now, we still don't have a presenting sponsor, but just a reminder, this is where that would go. So if you're interested, you know where to find us. You know you can reach out. Don't be scared. Don't be shy. All right. Our man, Michael Hostie, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, April 27th. In fact, it's an awesome Monday. Guys, I had an awesome weekend. It almost felt normal. It was, it was perfect outside. Beautiful. It was perfect for me to work in the yard all weekend. That's the only problem with it. Um. First of all, it was so amazing that you skipped past Sunday because it's not Monday yet, clown. Um, Dusty, Dusty, okay. I I mean, you know, typically when something's so great, I want to savor it and drink it in. It's like, you just slingshot right past. Okay, but but this comes out on Monday morning, so that's why I say it. It, It's different than live radio. It's podcasting. Remember, it's like, because it comes out the next day, Uh right? Yes, we are taping this on sunday night with the full disclosure right. we are taping on sunday night this is going to be right. a fun new uh deal where we we do this every single time we come on <laughs> there's like a reminder so, that uh we're a day so behind. do you understand like it's it's going to come out in the future so technically so, right now okay. we're in the future happy monday to everyone even though it's sunday there there you go now yes, i'm ready that's exactly we're, now we're on the same page perfect now i'm ready yes. perfect but there was something interesting about this weekend for me, and it, it feels like things are starting to get back to close to normal. I, I feel like I saw so many more people out and about. Uh, Teddy, you mentioned you're doing lawn work. It's, it's almost like people are happy again. This cloud of the coronavirus is starting to lift, and I know that May 1st is kind of – the deadline for when some things start opening back up, but it was, it just had a different feeling for me. 
I'll tell you, you know, <laughs> it's something different about America whenever, you know, we've got, you know, as much freedom or more freedom than anyone and everyone sits in their hole for a long time. There comes a point where everyone's like, um, yeah, okay, screw it. I'm, I'm going back to normal. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> There's a song. I don't know who sang it, but I think it was something like back to life. Back to reality. That's what it was this weekend. Hold on, Yo. one one second. What what were? How did this the song went? How? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't remember. I, I've, Just I've one more forgotten. time. Just one but more time. The whole point uh, is you're exactly right, uh, boys. I was um, buying pots for plants, uh, flowers. We did a lot of um, beautification of our backyard, and so did damn near everybody that I saw in Norman and more Oklahoma, because whether it was Sam's, uh, the lovely place by the Norman Mall that has flowers, Lowe's, Home Depot, hit them all, and so did a lot of people. So it was a gorgeous weekend here in our great state. And a lot of people, as you guys said, as things are starting to lift, I think that they've reached that point. And it felt like we were back to life. We had a real sporting event in the NFL draft. And I got to tell you, uh, I was drinking in some festivities outside at my house and enjoying um, potting plants, boys. That's where I'm at in my life. Once uh, <laughs> a, a crazy-ass nose tackle, now I, I pot plants on the weekends for kicks. Wait, so you bought the pots, right? Pots are – Let me tell you something, Pots are not Ted. cheap, Do man. you know about the racket that is the potting world? Okay, I go to this place. They're lovely, right? They're great. They come in all shapes and sizes. That's what we love about them. They're pretty – one's kind of square, one's kind of circle. This one's got ridges. This one doesn't. But you know what? There's a price that comes with that, Teddy. So I was The one you want it, is always the most expensive, right? Every the one she wants. Not, it's, it's not that I want it. It's what my wife wants. You know what I'm saying? So I've decided if we don't get football, I'm walking around Saturday picking out these pots with my wife, being told what I'm purchasing, I should say. And all I could think about was, you know what? If this whole sports world never comes back, um, maybe we should start making pots because we could make some money in that industry. But So, um, so you're telling me you dropped, you dropped a serious wad of cash on some pots because I've had to purchase a pot or two in my day, those things are not cheap. They're not cheap. Those things are expensive, and it's because they know no one knows how to make pots. That's exactly <laughs> right, uh, except for uh, the late Patrick Swayze, right, in the great movie Ghost. I mean, they, uh, him and Demi Moore, they could make you a pot if you needed it, no question. So with it being so nice this weekend, since I don't have kids – what is it like? Do, do the kids get stir crazy? Do they start hanging out with their friends? Because, listen, this was the first weekend, and I, I'll fully admit, I, I took the coronavirus stuff very seriously, the social distancing stuff. I mean, I stayed in Hawaii for three weeks. I mean, I lived the struggle, guys, you know. I mean, well, That must have been know. brutal. But, God. Gee, wow. Right. I, I just, I took Thanks for so, doing I your part, Gabe. Thank you. You're I, welcome. Took the, I took the coronavirus so serious for you guys. I stayed in the most beautiful country uh, on this planet. Well, first uh, of all, it's a state weeks. in well, it's this the, country. It's the country of Hawaii. Beautiful country there in Hawaii. Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll go with that. But the one thing that I feel like I've done a really good job of is I, I don't really leave my house unless I absolutely have to. 
And this was the first weekend, even for someone like me, that is taking it really seriously. I mean, we went to my mother-in-law's house. Now, we still kept the social distance thing. We, we sat across the patio from them, but we were able to talk to them and hang out. I drank about, I don't know, 15 White Claws. There were no laws, of course. But it just felt like it was getting back to normal. And frankly, it felt good. It felt damn good to just be near people, not too close to people still. I'm still, you know, following all the rules. But there's just something about being around your friends and family. And I feel like I wasn't the only one that did that this weekend. I saw so many people out in our neighborhood walking, whether it was across the street from each other. But People are starting to get back together. There's no Did doubt. Did you feel like a rebel whenever you walked in the door? I Okay, first of all, someone? once again, I'm kind of a psycho. So we walked around the side of the house. So we didn't actually go in. We walked around the side and then sat in the, on the back patio. She got a great back patio set up. And we had food and all this stuff, but it was separated out. It was great. It just, it just felt so good to do something normal. Did you feel like the entire neighborhood was judging you guys whenever you walked around into the backyard? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> because, because it's on, it's, it's on the golf course. So some of these golfers are seeing me walk in and we had both of our dogs, me and my wife and they're looking at me and like, eh, and I was like, Hey, don't worry about me, but I'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm still following the rules, but it, it was, it was, it was good. It just felt good. So very similar situation. Um, in our neighborhood, our next door neighbors, uh, a, a couple that lives on one side and a couple on the other, they're sisters. Okay. So, you know, big family on each side of us. And we've gotten to be pretty close with uh, our new neighbors since we moved back into our neighborhood. And they were having a birthday party for one of the women. And it was outside, out front. They got the smoker out. It, dude, you guys could have seen what was loaded up on the smoker. It was incredible. Salmon, fillets, ribeyes, mm. strips. Mm. They did it right. But so they were out front enjoying themselves, playing some music, and they invited us out. And we went and stood out front, and very similar to what you're saying, we stayed at a distance. But, uh, you know, we shared some fellowship, and it just felt good, like, to talk to some people and be around them. But I'm going to tell you, there was a couple of cars that drove by, and you could just tell it's right. starting. So this is one thing I want to talk about tonight, okay? And there's a lot to get to because you asked about kids' perspective. That's a completely different can of worms. My kids now, it's crazy that they actually social distance and trusting them and what not to do and all those things. But the judging is what I wanted to mention tonight because we're about to enter a phase coming up this week. It's already happening where a lot of this is up to you personally and what you can handle, right? And we all have different levels, right? Everyone's got something that's different. Some people are going to stay in their house and they're going to basically be locked down. And that's fine. If they feel that's what they need to do for them and their family, that's fine. But the laws are about to uh, be far more lax. And there's going to be a lot of choices that are put on us as individuals, as citizens in our communities, and in our state. And I think so long as you follow to, to those rules, with, with what they're allowing you to do, we should not be passing judgment on people. That, right. This is the way I feel. I'm not going to for you. If you want to stay locked down in your house, good for you. You know what, that's what you want to do. If I want, uh, the next weekend's my daughter's uh, uh, fourth birthday on Friday. We're probably going to have less than 10 people, but we're probably going to have my in-laws over. Maybe my brother and, and my niece has come up from Tulsa. We're probably going to get in the pool. It's going to be 92 degrees. And you can see in my backyard, 
if people are going to be walking around my neighborhood, looking in my backyard and passing judgment, I, I, I don't like that. It's not, I'm not going to change what I do. I'm not going to judge anyone else. And I'm hoping that other people aren't going to judge me and other people, though I know that's exactly what is going to happen. But I'm here today on, on our second podcast to plea with the people, worry about yourselves and let's not pass judgment on people. If you see somebody touching their face, running around, touching people, that's one thing. <laughs> Okay, but as long as we're right, (laughs) citizens arrest, if we're doing what we're able to do within the guidelines and the rules put out there by our local and state governments, let's not be passing judgments on folks. That's what I'm saying. No, hey, I'm with you. Um, The difference with me is I don't care. I mean, I know you don't either, but, you know, there's some people with this thing that are, you know, only content with sitting inside for the next 18 months until there's a vaccine. And that's just, it's not realistic. That's not going to happen. And, you know, quite frankly, if you look at all the the facts about the the thing, like you guys are going to be outside, it's going to be 92 degrees. There's almost no transmission outside. I mean, it's, I think you guys are going to be fine. And I I, I don't know, you know, people are going to, people are going to judge, but I've also learned that people are also going to be them and, you know, they're going to, they're going to have parties. They're going to enjoy themselves now that we know a lot more. I mean, there was a time where it was like, Oh my God, we, you know, we can't do anything. We don't know what exactly is going on, but that's how I was. Yeah. The more the, the more the information has come out, the more we've learned about it. You know, I think we're in a pretty good spot right now. Yeah. I think uh, people are starting to get a better understanding of it. Still clearly not an ideal situation, but my viewpoint on it is you can only control what you can control. And that's you and your family and just making sure that you're still responsible, right? You're still following the guidelines that the government and these local officials have laid out for us, but you can't just stay inside all the time. Right. But the one thing I will say to people is please just don't be dumbasses. Like just don't do, don't try to be the person that like tries to make a point and make people uncomfortable. No one needs to be doing that either. Just take care of yourself. Make sure you're doing the smart thing. And, you know, people are going to start to get together. And like Dusty mentioned, don't, don't be judgmental. Uh, try to understand how those people are viewing it. And maybe they're viewing it differently than you are. Uh, speaking of viewing, boys, how about 55 million viewers over the three days of the NFL draft. Absolutely unbelievable numbers. Now, Teddy, you do TV. Dusty, you do TV. I really don't, unless it's football season. Is 55 million viewers over three days? That that seems good. It seems good. I'm not I'm not a rocket scientist, but it seems good. I'd call it strong to quite strong. Uh yeah, I mean it's that's just massive numbers, record numbers for the draft. And uh, you know, it's it's probably one of those things where the NFL's looking at each other saying, hmm, you know, we've been doing these huge blowout events for the draft, and that's been fun and all, but we can all just hang out at our house and, uh, and do a Zoom meeting and get $55 million. That's a lot more cost efficient. But, no, it, it was great. It was cool, man. Um, just like you said, you know, with the weather and people hanging out outside, it felt normal again. Watching the draft – in the spring feels normal again. And I think people were bought in and I'll say this, there was a lot happening. I mean, 
round one of the draft was a lot of fun, right? Seeing some of the stuff that happened, some of the different guys that, that fell or, or ended up going to places maybe we didn't envision. But, you know, as, as the draft continues, there's new storylines. There's different players that you start to watch. There's, there's teams that put together really good drafts. So I think all in all for the NFL is a home run, like they usually do, right? The NFL, you know, for the last, you know, four or five years has just hit pretty much every event they've had out of the park. They are Teflon. It is why they own God's day. I mean, that's just the truth. And when you look at the big picture for the draft picks of the 2020 NFL draft by conference, not a great look for the Big 12. Um, Let's start at the top. The SEC, 63 players drafted from the SEC, 48 from the Big 10, 32 from the Pac-12, 27 from the ACC, and then 21 from the Big 12 Conference. Now, some people may go, you know, well, the Big 12 only has 10 teams, and that's true. It is true. If you average out by the number of teams in each conference, the SEC is at four and a half, the Big 10 is at 3.4, the Pac-12 is at 2.8, the Big 12 is at 2.1, the ACC is at 1.9. So it's not that much better, guys. Dusty, the ultimate, I mean, the, the ultimate takeaway from this is the SEC dominates college football. It, it just does. Look, there's a lot of people that are going to listen to this podcast, um, maybe even some on it. I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. That has cursed the name of one of my employers, ESPN, as being, by God, SEC biased and lovers. Let's prop them up. And I hear it. I see it in my mentions. Every fall, it's this bonanza. And I'll just tell you this. The NFL, they don't care about any of that crap. They're not biased. They're looking for the best damn football players, period. Okay? Here's the number that stuck out to me. 40. 15 go in the first round from the SEC. But 40 go in the top three rounds. I was doing a, I was doing a draft show Friday night. Um, Ted, did you play for Mark Dominic? Was he there at Tampa when you were there? Yep. So he was your GM, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'm doing a draft show with a couple guys and, and Mark Dominic's on there, and we're, we're talking about, you know, getting in the mind of a GM while the draft's going on, and uh, he had some great insight, but one thing stuck with me. He said, all GMs know this is a rule of thumb, and Ted will know this because we've always heard this. Your top three rounds are players that you view can be a starter, okay? You're looking at them for the most part, maybe that we view them as being a starter. So that's telling me that, of those players this year, 40 from the SEC, the rest of the Power Five had 48, I believe, or 49. It's crazy the amount of talent that's in the SEC. Now, I'm not here to uh, prop up the SEC and build them up anymore. But what I will say is next fall, if you're hearing it more and you're hearing uh, ESPN and various people talk about the level of talent and the quality of players in that conference – just remember, it's not just the ESPN is trying to prop up or is in partnership with the SEC. They really do. I was talking with a college coach today, and he told me this. It is literally like they are playing on a different level than, besides Clemson than the rest of the Power Five in college football. On the whole, across the board, when you look at the level of talent they have, comparatively speaking, to the rest of the Power Five. 
I, I guess the only other team I would put in there uh, in the Power Five. Ohio could, State. Ohio yeah. State. Yeah, I just I mean, mean they, kind of just on a conference level, though. You know what I'm saying, Gabe? Like, yeah, and, and, no, and, look, and, and Oklahoma is kind of like that in the Big 12. Like, like, how about this number for Oklahoma? So that's on like the big of college football. But then let's dig into the Big 12. When you when you mention those poor draft numbers since 2010 in the Big 12, Oklahoma's had 58 draft picks. Next closest, TCU at 32. That's a mess. That's a that's a river in between one and two in Texas. Texas only 32 draft picks since 2010. So, again, when we talk about the Big 12, Oklahoma's not necessarily in that, kind of like Ohio State, if you will. They're kind of in a league of their own within the Big 12, but, uh, which is a whole other problem with the league. But as far as the SEC, I just thought those numbers, fellas, were pretty staggering and eye-popping with how many of those guys got selected early on this draft. Well, it, uh, it just points out what we all know. The Big 12 sucks, right? I mean, uh, as an honest football conference, it sucks. You, you, we don't have we don't have um, tradition tradition rich programs, right? The, I mean, Texas is is about it. Um, we don't have teams that are uh, that recruit well that uh, on a consistent basis. Every now and then, someone may slap together a, a pretty now, good. Now class, you're talking you're talking about everyone but OU, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, before Oklahoma, someone someone's going to take that audio and is going to use it against you, Teddy, and I can't wait. Oh, I mean, I say it all the time, though. I mean, it, it's fine. I'd like to say, prove to me that they don't suck, right? I mean, the when's the last time a Big Twelve team won a national championship? Two thousand and five. It's been going on 15 years. Um, you know, we've, we've played in a couple since, but haven't won it. I mean, Oklahoma Haven't, haven't won is, a playoff game. Haven't won a playoff game. No team, other, game. no team other than Oklahoma has been in the playoff. Oklahoma is the mansion in the trailer park right now. I mean, it, it, we're kind of holding everything together. Um, you know, we're talking about at times Iowa State may make the Big 12 championship game. You know, good for Iowa State, but what? I mean – what would the equivalent of that be in, in the SEC? Um, I guess Missouri did make it out of the East a, a couple of times there whenever the East was really down. But, I mean, it's, it's definitely a problem. And Oklahoma, there's two ways to view it. Obviously, it creates a really easy path for us to, to get to the playoff, right? Uh, win a Big 12 championship. If you're a one-loss team, you're going to have a great opportunity to get in. But the other side of it is – are you ever going to be able to get the talent that the SEC does? And there may be one or two years that you grab a couple of nice players. There may be a five-star here or a five-star there. But you're talking about teams that, as of right now, have five years of recruiting classes absolutely loaded of five-star players. There's, you know, you're talking about teams that have 20, 25 five-star players on there. And Oklahoma at the time probably has like five. So, I mean, it's just it's, – it's too yeah. tough to compete against. And you may do it on, on a one-year. You go in, you play out of your mind for two games, and you win a championship. But consistently, you know, the playoff has made it harder. But to consistently go in and compete and beat teams like that is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, good stuff there, Ted. So a couple thoughts on that. Number one, uh, and it, this, my eyes have really opened a lot in the last four years going around and watching so many other leagues, you know, like uh, having played in this league. And then, you know, when Ted and I got into media here, really we just covered the Big 12. We go to OU games, we travel, and we're basically locking in and studying Big 12 teams. But now 
watching tape and studying other teams, it's, it's really been eye-opening to look at, you know, talent across college football. And I've said this quite a bit. I think that – and it bears it out in the NFL draft. When you watch tape, I mean, there's just – there's more quality players in the SEC. I think that the Big Ten is the next best league. Uh, they get the net – you can see it on tape. They've got the next – especially front seven players, um, line of scrimmage players. And, but I'm going to tell you this, man. Aside from Clemson, uh, the ACC <laughs> – there's not much, a lot of better players in the Big 12. So I'm just saying that well, careful. Not right now. Wait, wait careful. till you see uh, Mac Brown in the class that he's reeling in. My Ca- God. But careful, careful when you say that, because if you say the Big 12 sucks, um, then you're saying a lot. Then you're saying the Pac-12 sucks, because I think the Big 12 is right on par, if not better than the Pac-12. Then you're saying that most of the ACC sucks. So then yes. we're basically saying that college football sucks. So I can't go quite there. I hear what you're saying, and the drought on national championships is real. The not winning a playoff game is real. The, you know, the lack of, of NFL draft picks, I think that that's problematic because, look, man, like I said to start this, as you know, Ted, the NFL, they don't care about bias or where you play. They're looking for the best damn players that they can find because those guys want to keep their job. And the more quality players they bring that are productive, that's going to get them a raise and keep putting food on the table for their family. So the NFL draft has always been and always will be the best you know, the best uh, way to figure out who's got the superior and who's got the elite talent. Well, um, I will so- say there are things like – College football is great. We all love it. But there are things about college football that do suck. And one of the things that makes college football, in fact, suck is that Clemson destroys everyone in the ACC, right? Yes, yes. For the most part, Oklahoma destroys everyone in the Big 12. We've won five straight. That, I mean, that's really not the product that we should all want. We should want balanced conferences throughout. I mean, and I I know I don't want to make college football – you know, NFL light, right? That's right. not what I want. But I do want some competitive balance within conferences to where, you know, like like there's there's good teams in the SEC that are going to have like a 500 record every year because they play Auburn, LSU, Alabama, you know, on a consistent basis plus tough crossover games. And, you know, it's just – it's not a real representation of how good and, you know, all, all the good teams that are spread throughout college football. There's – it's just so consolidated in the SEC and it leaves so many of the other conferences so light. And it's just in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not great competitive football. I mean, there's no reason Clemson should be able to run through the ACC the way they do. When when you look at the big 12 in in the draft, a a decent first round uh, with the guys that went fit, but you, you mentioned, we were talking about Iowa state competing for the big 12 championship last season, possibly. They don't have a single guy go in the draft. You look, Kansas State doesn't have a player drafted for the first time since 1993. So you, you see some of these things, and it, it is representative of the level of talent in the Big 12 Conference. You, you can't say that the NFL people don't want the best players. We all know that's not true. They want guys that will make plays on Sundays. They don't care what conference they come from. So it's clear that while I think the talent level in the Big 12 is getting better and it's a product of some really good coaches being infused into this conference, there's still a big talent gap between the Big 12, 
maybe not Oklahoma, but the Big 12 and the SEC schools. I mean, it's just – when you look at the numbers, it's just math, Dusty. So, I, I do not want to go down this rabbit hole, and we're not. But I'll dip my toe in the water, right? Just a tip. My, I guess my question, and I was having a conversation with someone in college today about this. <laughs> I'll just say when they say it just means more, it's real on a lot of levels. Recruiting budgets that are astronomical. Um, I would say recruiting budgets that, that aren't on the ledger. Um, what? And, that doesn't and as, happen. And as much as I'm not trying to point the finger and I'm not trying to turn into that, I think that sometimes was in some of these recruiting games, there's some people that want to play a certain game and there's some people that don't. And I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody, but if you're not willing to play that game, it's going to be hard to continually get those kind of recruits. So uh, that's why, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, we, we can come up with all these different reasons why, you know, why it's hard for certain places to get the elite of the elite recruits, but uh, you know, again, and I would say, though, that's been going on in college football forever. This is nothing new. Uh, but I do think that that is uh, a very real aspect of, uh, of some of where we see primarily all the talent. Is, in this, certain is the areas. Weirdest, this is the weirdest way of saying that SEC schools cheat and they don't really <laughs> care about it that I've ever heard in my entire life. Just well, say it. it's fine. No, I don't care. I don't here's, care here's if people things, pay recruits. Though. I really don't. I, I really don't, don't care either. I, 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 it doesn't here's bother. The things, like, this is like, a, like one of the, the problems with the Big 12, though. Like, so if, if LSU lands a top 10 class, okay. They had 14 people go in the draft yeah. over the weekend. Georgia. 10 in the first three rounds. Florida, 10. Alabama. If, if these teams, Texas A&M, if those teams land a, a top 10 recruiting class, Okay, yeah, all right, they recruit well. But what, what do we do if Kansas State lands a top 10 recruiting class? Everyone An investigation goes, exactly, immediately. Exactly, <laughs> immediately right, right? I mean, it's like whenever Ole Miss all of a sudden got all those players, everyone started snooping around a little bit and saying, hmm, that's sure interesting Ole Miss had that good of a recruiting class. So that's one of the problems with being in a conference where – there's not very many good teams that do well on a consistent basis because whenever they actually do well, that's, everyone's that's really like, interesting. Hmm, that's a really interesting way. What's of, going on there? That's a really interesting. Okay, let's stop shitting on the Big Twelve for a second. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about uh, the OU guys that went on day two. Jalen Hurts, maybe the most surprising pick of the entire NFL draft for a lot of people. He goes 53rd overall to the Philadelphia Eagles, who signed Carson Wentz to a $128 million deal. But they say Hurts is no threat to Wentz. It's a bizarre draft pick, but it makes a lot of sense to me for a couple reasons. Number one, Doug Peterson, he's kind of a mad scientist, right? When you look at offensive football, he loves tinkering with things. We all know that RPO-heavy system can get very creative. And I think that that could play to some of Jalen Hurts' strengths when you talk about, hey, let's dwindle this down a little bit. Let's have him make quick decisions. You can build some QB run options into those things. Just a reminder, 
that an RPO and play action pass are different things. People, an RPO. Watch the lineman. Watch the lineman. If a lineman climbs to the second level, if he is going to block a linebacker and the ball is thrown, that is an RPO. It's also it's, illegal. Yeah, it's called oh, cheating. Oh, yeah, it's called cheating, me. you fat Total slob. Crap. You, you defense, oh, Ruining you football. Nerd. Seriously, oh. don't even start this crap, Gabe. You know okay, what I know. We'll it. get off. It's, <laughs> it's cheating. If you climb up more than a yard, I mean, what the hell? Teddy, wh- what are you keying as a linebacker? How the hell are you supposed to get any idea of what's coming? We, I mean, well, we know I'm, that we already know that all the defensive players have all the advantages in football. Oh, my God. <laughs> so just calm down. Just Terrible. both of you Go calm ahead. down. Sorry. No, but I, I think that that makes some sense. Now, I did not anticipate this happening, but it makes some sense. You stick them in that system, and with Philadelphia's success with a backup quarterback or alternate quarterback, whatever the hell Howie Roseman wants to call it, the fact of the matter is Carson Wentz, he, he gets banged up. He does. Now, he was healthy last year till Clowney hit him and, ooh, mama. But – when you think about it, I see it, what you did there, T. Rowe. I see, I see what you did. Shout out ooh, to Toby uh, Rowland, uh, a big influence on all of us three. But I see what huge, you did. Huge well influence. Done. And T. listener of this podcast, by the way, we That's found right. out T-Row. via group Love text. You, uh, but I, I just found it so interesting because I was shocked, guys. I, I was shocked. I was hoping Jaylen that Hurts. he was going to go to the Steelers. I was, too, it, yeah. And it's kind of the same situation there. I mean. Obviously, Carson Wentz isn't at the end of his career like Ben Roethlisberger is, but uh, Roethlisberger is a guy that's always banged up, and you know you never know whenever he's going to go down in a game. You have to at least finish that game, maybe finish the rest of the season. Um, you could start grooming to to take over one day. I thought that would have been a good spot for him, but Phillies, honestly, you know it's kind of the same situation. Carson Wentz, yeah, they signed him to a big contract, but. You have to have a number two that you're okay with taking over for a game, taking over for three weeks, taking over for the rest of the season. And uh, they need one bad because you're right. Carson Wentz is um, – he's a big guy. He's athletic. He's got a big arm. Uh, he's been really efficient in that offense whenever he is healthy. But, man, once you have a bad injury and you get the body cut on, it's just it, – it feels like more things start to come one after another. What so, would you know about getting injured, either of you guys? What I, are you talking about? I learned everything I know about getting injured from Dusty. He's, he's I, the one I, that's <laughs> – I got my Ph.D., baby, and it ain't to play <laughs> Not a boy. Dusty uh, could be an uh, orthopedic surgeon right now. No, no problem. That's right. Um, look, I, I, I think you guys, you guys said a lot of it um, – I do think Pittsburgh – what I liked about Pittsburgh was just how good that defense is. Uh, you know, Philly has got as good a defense where if you lost Big Ben, you could really turn the offense over to him, be a ground-and-pound type of football team and win with defense. And it's organization um, with consistency. That's right. You have to have that in the NFL if you want to have a long career. So the Eagles pick um, – it, it sounded to me, I had a conversation. By the way, Press Taylor, shout out to Press Taylor, Oklahoma's own Press Taylor, who's going to be coaching him. Um, heard it through the grapevine that there will be a plan to utilize uh, a package oh, for him. There's no 100%. doubt. 100%. That's Peterson's very much part of this. No 100%. Doubt. That this, I mean, look, he is not going to challenge Carson Wentz, but he is a guy who – just like y'all pointed out, and by the way, backup quarterback won the Super Bowl for him, so it's not like it's crazy. Guy's a legend um, on the field and in the locker room, no doubt. Big, big Nick. 
Um, <laughs> so it, it, it really does make sense to have somebody that you trust. But from what, from what I heard was Jeffrey Lure, the owner, was enamored with him, just loved him. I don't, you know, I don't know if he sat with him in one of the meetings. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly, but the intangibles that we all talk about, uh, the leadership, the maturity, the way he handled everything at Bama, coming to Oklahoma. Again, man, people, owners, general managers, people who have to sign their name off on someone that can I trust him, and I want to bring those type of people into my building, into my locker room, and have it permeate throughout these walls. I really think that as much as anything, that's why Jalen Hurts, he's done every single thing in that regard the right way, as good as anybody could have asked. And that helped him, I think, tremendously yesterday. Uh, or sorry, it's Monday, two, uh, yeah, two days it's Monday. ago, uh, it's two Monday. days ago Thank when you. he heard his name called Thank 53 you. to the Eagles. Yeah, he, it, and it was good to see him show some emotion. Uh, I, I enjoyed seeing Jalen. It looked like the weight of the world was lifted off that guy's shoulders. One interesting thing about the two-quarterback system, they're going to use it. I mean, we've seen what Sean Payton has done with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees there in New Orleans. Now, Jalen Hurts is not as good of an athlete as Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is an absolute freak, and that's why he just got paid by the Saints. But the interesting wrinkle it brings for teams that are playing is you have to waste so much time game planning just for a couple of plays where there's two quarterbacks on the field. Because Jalen Hurts is athletic enough to line up in the slot, to shift into the backfield. They can hand them the football. And it will take them practice time to Which get ready more for that. more and more limited every single year. That's so right. It is That's a competitive key. advantage for the Philadelphia Eagles to have Jalen Hurts on their roster because other teams are going to have to worry about him. And that's going to be so annoying for those defensive players in those game plan meetings, in those walkthroughs, out on the practice field. You may get one or two, maybe three plays of that or in a none. game. Or none. And you're going to spend, what, half an hour a day on it? I mean, it's well, going to be infuriating. Yeah, absolutely, it will. And, and the last point on this he can add that value now, right? Most backup quarterbacks, they don't really give you value now. They only give you value if you need it when that time presents itself. Whereas any day of the week. Can go exactly. Right Not complicated. So, so he can step in tomorrow and add some value and a short yardage goal line package instantly to that offense that they hadn't previously had. All right, the other Sooner that goes in the third round, guys, and it was, it was great to see it. I love the emotion he showed, but Neville Gallimore gets drafted by the Dallas Cowboys with the 82nd overall pick. And another Sooner with the star in their helmet. I really like the fit. I, I do, not just because it's the Dallas Cowboys, not just because he's an OU guy. His style of attacking that we saw this year is the best version of Neville Gallimore. And I think he's only going to get better as a pro. When you look at Mike Nolan, who is the new defensive coordinator there in Dallas, he really doesn't believe in having one scheme. His philosophy is, give me the best 11 players on the field. And the one thing that he really values in defensive linemen is versatility. 
and Neville Gallimore can play multiple positions in the National Football League. He can kick inside and play a three technique. He can play a five technique. Hell, if you want to get in a three-four structure, he can play a head-up four. These are things he did at Oklahoma in multiple defensive systems. That's why I think Mike Nolan looked at him, saw his explosive numbers, saw the athleticism he displayed at the combine, and said, hey, that guy fits in my scheme. Yeah, and I, I think he'll have some opportunity there. I mean, uh, obviously, Gerald McCoy being there is going to be a boost for them. But you look at some of their their guys. I mean, Gerald McCoy is 32 years old now. Don Terry Poe, he's, he's knocking on 30. Uh, Antoine Woods been in the league for a while. So it's an older veteran group, and I think there's some room to break into that rotation. Um, you know, he's obviously got all the tools, and Dusty can speak to it a lot better than I can, but, you know, a lot of defensive tackle is can you do it physically? Can you beat blocks? Can you split double teams? Can you get pushed from the inside? Can you get to a pass rush move on third down? Like it, it's, it's probably the most just straight-up physically – uh, demanding position and the guys that have the body for it and the explosiveness for it, they can get on the field, spout production. So we know he can do that. We saw him over 300 pounds go run four, seven at the combine, which is ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to have a good opportunity there. Just tell him what it is, Ted. You've got to be a grown-ass man to play in the trenches in the NFL, bro. Plain and simple. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. I just want to – I'm so happy for Neville Gallimore, man. I mean, this is a kid that – from Canada, uh, did not have much of a football background, was actually hurt uh, his last year. I mean, I remember when he first got here, he didn't know what a boot was. <laughs> he didn't know what a boot was. Something now he's a third drink beer out of in Canada. Das Boot? What? Um, <laughs> but now he's a third-round pick, and he's going to have a chance. He's going to play in the National Football League and wear that damn star in his helmet. Man, I'm just uh, – I'm fired up for him. He got nervous. Uh, it kind of – it's funny um, listening to how, you know, once that he thought he'd been told by enough people, he'd go in the second round, right? And we've been there. Ted, uh, Ted should have been a first-round pick, and Ted was early in the second. I was, I was supposed to be a second-round pick, and I was early in the third. Gabe was – I'm mean sorry, this, Gabe. Uh, I, I mean didn't mean this, to bring that up. I mean this <laughs> as sincerely as I can. Cry me a fucking river. I'm not, <laughs> Gabe, hey, if I was an NFL GM, I would have drafted nothing you wrong in the with first being round. Right? Yes, thank, nothing thank wrong you. with being undrafted. Thank you. Thank but you. I only say that because I know what it feels like when you feel and you start hearing people's names called that you feel you're – and you know deep down I'm a better player than that guy. As, you, as we all know, right? We all know what that feels like. So – but then once he's able to get the call, he, he had some, some emotions, but he gets the call – and it is a great fit. And the, the thing that, that I like the most, because here's what I will say. I don't love him in a 3-4 scheme. I really don't. I think he's capable. I don't think he can thrive. I think he can thrive being a penetrator, being up the field, crossing face, getting off the football. And I agree with what you said. Mike Nolan is very diverse. And they're going to mix it up. And the fact that they went and got GK, who is a one-gap defender. GK ain't playing at 32. ain't two-gapping, right? He's going to get up the field. So they're going to have that in there in their scheme, which I think is going to allow Neville the opportunity to utilize his God-given talents. And the fact that he's going to be in that scheme, and we can all speak to this, when you walk in an NFL locker room, if you don't know anybody, it's a bitch, okay? Because Not fun. You, you're walking into a room where you were drafted to take someone's job who likely has kids, who's got a wife, who's got who knows what, and they want to keep their damn job. 
you have created conflict. So a lot of times you walk into a locker room and you ain't got a lot of friends and you damn sure don't have people in your position room that are looking out for your best interest. And I get it, man. It's survival of the fittest in the National Football League. But what I had, and I was very lucky, I had Tommy Harris, who was a pro bowler and who was my teammate. And so he welcomed me in and he helped me. And he made sure that I was getting exactly what I needed. And he made sure those guys trusted me and they helped. They brought me in. They welcomed me in. That's Neville didn't play with GK, but GK has already reached out to Neville. GK is going to do whatever he can to show Neville Gallimore the ropes of the NFL, to teach him and help him understand technique, understand what an offense is trying to do, understand pre-snap. What am I looking for? This is a guy who's made six Pro Bowls, and if he plays well for a few more years, could be a damn Hall of Famer. You now have that as your resource walking into the NFL. I think that in and of itself, if I'm Neville Gallimore, it sucks to slide, but it's sometimes about where you're at and is it the right fit. For that aspect alone, I think it's an ideal situation for Neville Gallimore in Dallas. I mean, it's big not even having a guy. I mean, even if there's someone that's not in your your position room, right? I mean, I know you went in and had Tommy there, and you guys had a great relationship. But, hell, when I went to Detroit, Stephen Alexander was there, and I never met the guy, but I was like, oh, my God, someone from Oklahoma, thank you. Thank you. Someone I can at least have a conversation with. So, uh, the fact that he's got CD in his draft yep. class, because you end up doing a lot of stuff with just your draft class, right? Uh, yep. Sometimes you report at different times. I know this year is going to be strange, but uh, you report early. You'll have rookie mini camps and stuff like that. So just to have that familiarity, you're right. That's huge. Just going to be an invaluable resource for Neville Galmore. And I'm sure even though he, he probably fell a little farther than he thought he was going to, Still probably pretty happy with this situation. One guy that's probably pretty disappointed, uh, Parnell Motley. Guys, goes undrafted, ends up signing an undrafted free agent contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And frankly, I wasn't surprised uh, because what we saw from him, you know, the first three years of his career, I, I thought he put better things on tape last season, no doubt. I mean, th there's no doubt about that. He played at a much higher level than we had seen from him up to that point. But, Teddy, he just did not impress me at his pro day. He had trouble in essentially every single drill. And I know that he ran a 4-5-40, but for some reason he, he didn't look very good doing that. Uh, he was not clean in any of the other drills. He lost his balance a lot. He felt it, – it, it was just – it was – it was an underwhelming performance for me, and I don't think I have as critical of an eye as NFL general managers. I know when good OU players go undrafted that OU fans are very confused. Uh, same thing happened when I went undrafted. But there's a reason, and there's a reason that Parnell Motley went undrafted, and it's because a lot of NFL teams don't think he's very good. That's it. You don't have to search for any other reason than that. Well, I mean, the, the, here's the thing about Pro Day is, like, there's three real evaluations, right? There's one, like, wow, that guy stood out. We've got to do some more work on him. That might be a guy we're interested in taking. There's, okay, uh, not good, not bad, just kind of a guy. And then there's the third one, which is a red flag that you mark off the list. And, unfortunately, I don't know if it was because he was pressing I don't know if it's because he was nervous, but Gabe, we talked about it that day whenever we were doing the 
the broadcast as he was going through it, he just he had a a terrible day, right? And I I just imagine those scouts and the GMs that were there, it was a X off the list guy. It was that it was that bad. He was he was all over the place. But here's the thing. He his last year at OU was by far his best. He's shown that he can cover really good wide receivers. I mean, that's the one thing the Big 12 does have is some really good wide receivers. And he had a pretty good year covering some uh, some pretty uh, talented guys, guys that got drafted. So there is film out there. You know, he, he did end up going to Tampa as an undrafted guy. You're on a football team. You've got an opportunity. You're going to be in camp. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in front of you. You can go and have a really good – uh, a good camp and and make some good plays and find yourself on the football team there can be an injury in front of you and even though they may not want to keep you they have to keep you so it's far from over for for Parnell Motley right now but um, I think it all goes back to that pro day man I'm with I you. really do and, and just real quick and I didn't get to watch it like you guys uh, I was doing my local radio show Monsters of the midday on 98.1 WWLS that you can oh check out. Oh my gosh, Monday what a Friday, shameless. 11 to 2 with what a shameless plug. Man. Let's go. Um, but I trust y'all's word. And here's the problem for someone like Parnell Motley. You're right, Ted. He played much better this year. But let's be real. He's put some really bad tape out there, right? Yep. So when you've got really bad tape and you've got much better tape, your ass better show up at pro day. You know what I'm saying? And because the problem is if you don't, and if you all of a sudden it doesn't look quite good, hips a little bit tight. He just, you know, he's not, he's not getting out of his brakes. He doesn't quite. Now all of a sudden that goes, yep, that, that verifies that guy. We saw all this bad tape and it kind of washes away all the good that he did. But like you said, it's all not over. We all know Gabe, what, four years, the national football league undrafted free agent. Tony Jefferson's a perfect example of a guy uh, who I did think should have been drafted, but oh my um, gosh, who was an undrafted free agent, uh, scrapped his ass off and was able to go make some real money. So I'll be rooting for Parnell, but uh, I agree with you guys. When you have the poor pro day and now all of a sudden, now you glance back at the bad tape and you say, yep, I see from that pro day, all that from that tape that he had previously put out there. Not a good three days for Oklahoma state football. Um, yeah, just not not a good three days. A.J. Green, who a lot of people thought was the most talented of the Cowboys, goes undrafted now. He does end up getting $145,000 guaranteed to sign with the Cleveland Browns, which is – That's crazy, bro. Nice chunk of change. That's crazy. Ted, when we were coming out, that's like fifth-round money, bro. Yeah, that's pr- I, I mean, I was shocked to see that. Um <laughs> There, it Good must have him. been a hot market. I mean, honestly, Man, for real, a bunch of teams uh, calling it, his agent. It must have been a bidding war. I mean, that's that's the only thing. And hey, AJ Green, he's got good size, uh, ran well at the combine. I wonder what NFL teams discovered to where he went undrafted. Because you got to remember, coming into the season, this was a guy that people were saying, "Hey, maybe he can play himself into the first round." I mean, you got to remember where the expectations were for A.J. Green coming into the last year. So, for him to go undrafted, even though he does get that nice chunk of change from the Browns, uh, not good for Oklahoma State football. Now, why? while it wasn't a great three days for Oklahoma State, Tulsa, the mighty Golden Hurricane, for the first time in 26 years, two Tulsa players 
get drafted in the same draft. Reggie Robinson goes to the Cowboys in the fourth. Travis Gibson goes to the Bears in the fifth. How in the world does Tulsa have more drafted players than Oklahoma State? How is that even possible, guys? It's pathetic. It's terrible. It was horrible if you're Oklahoma State. I'd be embarrassed for the rest of my life thinking about canceling my football program. I mean, I guess it is big for what are they calling it now, the turnpike rivalry or something that they've got going on between Oklahoma State and and Tulsa. But, (laughs) not hey – uh, hey, the nice turnpike the rivalry is a weird it, – it, it's, uh, a, it's a real thing. Don't mock it. Don't mock uh, it. Oh, my God. Dude, okay. when, when, when this happened, when Oklahoma State, I saw – because I thought A.J. Green would go in the, you know, probably sixth or seventh round. And when I saw they didn't have any been drafted, I just thought, oh, damn, Ted's going to light them up on Sunday night. <laughs> real juggernaut, Oklahoma State. Hey, hey, but, wait yeah, one second. Yeah, they're going to win though, it all I, this year. If now let can we just can we at least be kind of fair? Okay, Chuba Hubbard would have been drafted. Okay, Tyler Wallace would have been drafted. Tyler Wallace, even if with the ACL would have come out drafted. So all right, but I will. It is. It's not a good look. I don't. I mean, look. I can make. I. I, I can't. I can't sugarcoat it. It's bad. Plain and simple. Oklahoma State football, and I do believe Mike Gundy has put them. Basically, they're a top 25 program pretty much every year. So it kind of shows, I mean, he's a damn good coach for making them consistently that good when they don't have the front-end talent that is translating to the next level um, as much as some of the other teams in the league that he continues to beat. As far as Tulsa goes, though, um, this Reggie Robinson kid, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about him. He's got great size. He ran 4-4-4 at 6-1. 205. My Cowboys take him in the fourth round. That was a position of need. They got two corners. They also got digs from Bam in the second, but they bring in Robinson. Uh, he's got size and speed. Uh, I did not watch. I mean, I did Tulsa two years ago, but I don't remember him really jumping out to me, uh, but I'll be intrigued to see what he's able to do. And he's going to have a chance to go compete for a spot uh, because now that um, Byron Jones has gone there at Dallas. And then, uh, Travis Gibson, I like this kid a lot. I have watched quite a bit of his tape, and my eyes typically always go to the line of scrimmage anytime I'm watching any teams. And this kid's raw. He's put on 60 pounds since he's been at Tulsa. Uh, basketball player, dad was a hooper. Uh, you know, he's got a really good uh, explosive first step, can move laterally pretty well. And uh, I'm not going to try to make him more than what he is. He's a fifth rounder for a reason. He's a bit of a project, and uh, I'm hoping um, – I'm hoping he can turn into a pretty good pass rusher at some point for my previous team, the Chicago Bears. Just going to keep insulting uh, the people that go late in the draft without even considering that you are doing this podcast with someone that went out undrafted. You are an absolute savage, Dvorak, and that's <laughs> what, what I, I love say? you. What what I say? No, it's fine. It's Teddy, fine. What did I say? It doesn't. I don't think about it every day. It's not like the third day of the draft is literally – despised in the Eichard household (laughs) oh wait no it's literally I just sit watch and I'm like these kids are about to be miserable there's about to be a lot of miserable kids going undrafted can I go on a tangent really quick if you don't mind let me just say this before you go on your tangent you could have gone to Oklahoma State and you would have been guaranteed to not be undrafted you never would have to worry about it right that's okay okay but I, I do have an issue, and this is, and, and some people are going to disagree with me on this, and that's fine, but going through it, I, I find it ridiculous when it gets to the sixth, 
in the seventh round that all of these people always say every damn year they say, you know what, at this point, it's probably better to just go undrafted. No, it's fucking not. No, <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> all you want to do when you're sitting there as a guy that thinks he's going to get drafted is to hear your name <sighs> called. That's it. That's all you want. And people don't realize the psychological component for general managers, for the Absolutely. people in the front office. They are tied when, to their draft. Exactly. Board. When they draft a guy, you are one of their guys. Yes. That's how it works. When you are undrafted, you are not one of their guys. You have to earn it. You got to show up, know what the hell you're doing, and then show up on tape. Pop off tape when the coaches are watching. Those are the two main steps if you're an undrafted free agent. Right there. That's it. That's how you can succeed. But you don't have the advantage. You don't get any leniency that a drafted guy gets. If Anybody that thinks guys, and they go with the drafted, drafted guy every time, and an undrafted guy every single time. Every time, and I'm, I'm so tired. Obvious, you know, that, I mean, but yeah, I, equal and, guys. No and doubt. there's even times, and it. I just know it because a coach told me that where they said, "Hey, we're going to keep the guy because we drafted him. You outplayed him." But we're going to keep him because, hey, my job's on the line. Now, I appreciated the honesty. I did not take that conversation very well in <laughs> hindsight. But that is real. People that say, oh, it's probably better to go undrafted at this point. They've never been through it. They don't understand how it works. They just don't get it. They're like, well, you'll have the flexibility. You can pick where you can go and maybe you'll find a better spot the best spot for you where you can make the roster listen the best spot you can make a roster is when someone is willing to spend a draft pick on you i I, i'm tired of it it is a ridiculous thought in my head when people go no 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 you'd rather go undrafted right now hey gabe i just want you to exhale am i no 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 no. (laughs) exhale and we got the zoom come on in here Come, yeah, on, let, come on, come on, social this. Come on, I, I got you. Are you hugging just, me right now? Is that uh, what's that, happening? Thanks, man. You need one. May, may, yeah, I think you need it, one. I. Pat, it happens. Someone back. say, did your agent say that to you? Like whenever that happened? Oh or, hell no! He was like, like it, we were both losing our minds. But I mean, what it, about what about like friends and family? Were they no, trying to make you feel listen, better by saying that? This is yeah, yeah, yeah. They because they've heard guys on TV say it. Because people start saying that guys tweet it out, and I'm like every time, every year. It's just not true. It, the worst thing that happens, do you, want, do you want to look behind the curtain of going undrafted? The worst thing that happens is the friends and family text message that Damn. simply just reads, well, what happened, man? <laughs> Damn. It, it hurts. Why, why so would someone crazy. send that? Because they, you know don't, what I'm saying? because they don't realize that your dreams were just crushed <laughs> and you just had one of the worst days of your entire life and you're sitting in your room crying with your then-girlfriend who is now wife just alone, just sobbing <laughs> like a little baby. I, I mean, it, it, it was a horrible day, man. It was a horrible day. And every time the third day of the draft rolls around, I see all these undrafted guys you know, played some good years or seventh round guys that are like, yeah, it's not where you start, man. You, if you do this, this, and this in every year now, I just tweet out going undrafted sucks. It's the worst because that's the truth. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Now you still are going to get your shot. If you play well, they'll keep you. That's how the league works. No matter if you're drafted, whatever, but 
to think going undrafted so you can pick a spot is better than getting drafted is ridiculous. I just want you to know, Gabe, I thought you were and should have gotten drafted. I'll tell you what, I'd draft your ass, okay? I don't care about those 32 other NFL football teams. No, I mean it. You're just saying that. I mean, Gabe, I'm pretty sure – I don't have your stats pulled up, but I'm pretty sure you're a three-time All-Big 12 player. I know you played guard. I know you played center. You showed your versatility. Pretty sure you're a first-team All-American as a senior, and we established on the first episode – uh, you might be half rocket scientist. So, I mean, I think you checked a lot of boxes. So well, You're leaving a couple of things out, Dusty. Uh, one of the oh, fastest here we go. Uh, pro agility times in the combine. The, for the fastest. Wow. The fastest. Uh, at, my, at my combine. Underleg had to be off the short charts. Uh, tight end, basketball. Yeah. I mean, we can go on and on. And that's you know why that's I got drafted so high, guys. It's, All these you know intangibles. <laughs> Screw it. I, I, I've decided right here, right now. And with the third pick of the 2020 Oklahoma breakdown draft. Ted Wait, Lyman, I'm third? Dusty Vortex Select. <laughs> Gabe Eichert. I got big Gabe third. Gabe Eichert. Out of um, Oklahoma. Who went it's, first? Hey, <laughs> it's, it's better than nothing. I'll ta- hey, I'll take it. Even I'll though we it. love you and do a, uh, a podcast with you, we still drafted two other guys. In yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. I'm sure they were talented. With the third of three picks. <laughs> I'm sure they uh, were the talented. Oklahoma breakdown selects. I, uh, you guys, I feel for you, Gabe. Hey, I feel for you, and I don't know what else to say other than you're a damn good college player, and, uh, you know, you proved yourself – once you did get into camps and you did make teams. And I'm just going to say, it's one of the baffling things about the draft every year. We see it every year. Every and that's year. why, and that is why, though, guys like Parnell Motley, if you show up and understand, if I, it's nothing's a guarantee and a damn thing a guarantee in this world. But if you show up with that chip on your shoulder, ready to work your ass off, it's been proven you will have a chance to earn a job. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. And as you can tell, far better than others. But it's also not the end of the road. So as you've proven, uh, Gabe, even people that don't get drafted can still have careers in the National Football League. Fully vested in the pension. What's up? Now, yeah, yeah. When, I, I'm not a big draft grades guy, but, but I think we can look around the league and look at some teams that maybe we like their approach this year in the draft. And and one of those teams for me has to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I really like what they did. Clearly you get Tom Brady to come down to Tampa to play quarterback for you. You convince Gronk to come out of retirement by having Brady go on Howard Stern and talk about his penis. And then (laughs) what did he say about his penis? I didn't know it was said. It was beautiful. Said it was perfect. It was, it was a great interview. I mean, Howard Stern's the best man on the airwaves it was hilarious but you you sure up that offensive line by taking Tristan Wirfs who was a lot of people's favorite offensive tackle in the draft you get a running back like Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt who put some really good statistics up in the SEC despite playing at Vanderbilt and then you take advantage of the wide receiver depth in the draft you get Tyler Johnson from Minnesota in the fifth round, a guy that made a ton of plays for P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers and really stood out in some big games. And then, oh, yeah, who's the one defender you get? Antoine Winfield Jr. 
who Stuck. a lot of people think, uh, think can be a Pro Bowl-type player in the National Football League. Guys, I really like what Tampa Bay did. No, I, I loved it. Um, I, I think the best thing they did is that offensive tackle they drafted from Iowa early on. You know, I, I think that he's not a project. I don't mean that. But I think that he's a guy that's going to get better as he, as he you know, uh, you know, moves on in his career. He's not a maybe not the day one guy that's just going to kill you uh, right out of the gate. Uh, but I think he was the best long term tackle in the draft for them, and uh, they hit it out of the out of the park. There's no doubt, man. You gotta love what Brady's got going in there, man. I whenever people were first talking about Tampa, I was like, oh man, I don't know. But the more I've looked at it, and the more we've talked about oh, it, it's like, yeah. okay. All right, yeah, so I'm gonna like have to, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop him now. A couple things you need to be well aware of, Gabe. Okay, first of all, Teddy Lehman only roots for the best teams in any sports. Okay, he he is a fan <laughs> of no one outside of the Oklahoma Sooners. I've known this man for a long time, uh, and I can tell you that. And another thing I can tell you, he has a bigger man crush on Rob Gronkowski than probably Let's his own his go. own wife. So. When that happened, a beautiful man. I mean, there's nothing wrong yet. Rob Gronkowski I, hey, is come on. a beautiful yeah. man. I agree. I'm not hating on Rob Gronkowski, but Ted's uh, affinity and affection for him supersede all. So all I'm saying is just be prepared. There's going to be an abundance of Tampa Bay Buccaneers talk, and I'm going to cut it off today at that because we got plenty of time for that. Here's one thing. That Let's I, talk that, about that the Cowboys. About. Come on. No, just tell me how much you up. love the Cowboys. Shut draft. up. Shut they up had a great draft. Be quiet. What I think is hilarious is we said these are going to be an hour to an hour and 15-minute shows. <laughs> we're an hour and 10 in, and we're at F on number one of the rundown. Hey, isn't that and, rundown and, impressive, though? <laughs> we're rundown. on pace. We're on pace right now for a four-hour podcast, so it's going to be interesting how we navigate the rest of the way. But what I'm going to tell you is this. Uh, yeah, Tampa did some nice things. Here, here's what stood out the most to me. Baltimore – there's a reason that that organization is continually in the postseason. They win the draft damn near every year. Patrick Queen, perfect fit. J.K. Dobbins there at the 23rd pick in the second round. Unbelievable he was still on the board. That rushing attack. Hey, Ted, think about this. Think about the two running back sets with Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins with not, Lamar Jackson. Talk about the, <laughs> the, lo the local flavor on that. Uh, not, Justice Hill. Not, not a good thing for Justice Hill. It's, it's, it's not, but, you, but they're going to keep, but, but he's going to make the, they're going to keep running back. So I like that. Oh, yeah. I like, I like Matabuke uh, in the third round out of Texas A&M. I thought he could have been a second rounder. T Duvernay, look, I thought he had a fantastic year out of the slot. He's got great speed, 4-3 type of guy. So I look at, at, at those picks I thought were really good. Also late, James Prochet in the sixth round at SMU. That dude can catch the football. I even like Geno Stone, safety out of Iowa. So I thought Baltimore had a really good draft. I'll give you another one uh, that I loved. And I'm partial. I'm not going to lie. But I think the guy's a hell of a GM, my boy Chris Ballard, who was the scout oh, no for the doubt. Chicago Bears that drafted me, put his ass on the table for me, and I'm gonna. And all he does is show up. By the way, the guy who was in charge at Kansas City at the time for Patrick Mahomes, that was Chris Ballard before he departed. He was number two in command before he went to Indianapolis. But look what they did. By the way, their first round pick, that's DeForest Buckner big-time defensive lineman that they traded that they got from San Francisco. Michael Pittman, wide receiver. I thought Jonathan Taylor, That I, I think he's going to be an app. Running behind Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, I think that is just going so to be fun to watch. So they'll have Matt and Taylor. 
Yes. That's a hell of a duo right there. Phillip Rivers, the quarterback, the play action passes. You know, Phillip loves those play action passes and the nine routes down the field. Then you look uh, on down, Utah safety is a really nice pick. Uh, Robert Windsor, defensive tackle for Penn State. So I liked what they did. And listen, you ain't even got to be no damn homer, Gabe. Just got to have eyes. And the reality is we can laugh at Steven and Jerry Jones and the $250 million lot. The reality is, folks, and I'm just saying it because it's real. Because that's what we do here. We keep it real. The Dallas here Cowboys, we go. they hit that shit out the park, man. You know it, and I know it. See, he was a steal at 17. Okay, Trayvon Diggs, that's a really good pick in the second round. Tyler, the fourth round picks, Biotish, the Biotish. He can play. That, I thought he was going to be a top two-round pick. This he's, guy's there in the fourth round. And, and, he and they is lose Travis a, Frederick? I mean, that's clone. huge. He's a clone of Travis that, Frederick. And it's not I, just because he went to Wisconsin. He plays very similarly to Frederick, who decided to hang him up after this season. That I, I, was, I was surprised he was still there. And the second, pick, the second that pick went in, I was like, well, that guy's going to be their center for the next eight or ten years. And then lastly, their fifth-round pick, Bradley and I, he's the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, and he is big and strong. He's not twitchy, but he can set the point, and he can give you a good power rush. So, again, I know I'm biased. I'm a lifetime Cowboys fan. Two suitors in this draft class. But when I break it down and look at it, you have to feel that the Cowboys had one of the better drafts, uh, again, at least the Monday morning after looking at what transpired over the weekend. I know it's early. It's, it's early. It's April. We're a long way from playing football. but because of that draft and how good it was right now, I will tell you that I predict Dallas Cowboys are going to be an eight and eight football team. I mean, how about that? I'll go out on a limb, eight and eight, maybe nine and seven, but consistency is key. That's it, man. That's right. That's what you want, baby. No, I I thought it was really good though. It honestly was. And just a couple other uh, real quickly, some notables. I thought the Arizona Cardinals. Okay. You know, you've got Kyler Murray, you've, you've got, you know, Hopkins. I think there was probably uh, to, to fight the urge to just go get more weapons, right, that everyone wants. Weapons, weapons. They get Isaiah Simmons there with the first pick. I think he's, he's going to be fantastic if he's used properly. I don't think in the NFL that he needs to be a mutant like he was at Clemson and doing all kinds of different things. I think you find what he's best at and, and give him some consistency at a certain position. They go offensive tackle. They add some more depth defensively. So I thought they did pretty good. I thought the Minnesota Vikings guys uh, mm-hmm. did pretty good as well. Um, yep. They got a lot of not really nice picks in there. I think Justin Jefferson early was, was a really good pick. They got Gladney as a, as a quarterback. And they just – the list of players is just really long. They had a bunch of draft picks, and they made really good uh, uh, decisions on a bunch of those guys. James Lynch in the fourth round, Ted. I love, I that, love that pick. Love that pick. Great. Love it. He can play a bu- he can play all across that defensive line at Minnesota, any position. Yep. He, he's yep. one of the classic examples of a guy that's not going to test well. He was a Big 12 defensive player of the year, though. I wouldn't want to block him. Uh, I mean, the guy is just physical, is all hell. He can play multiple positions like you guys were saying. He's just a football player. Man, he doesn't look like a ton. Thick lower half, though. I really enjoyed watching him play. I, I thought Carolina made – me I'm of Howie Long. There you go. That's not a get bad your, comparison. Get your eyes off of his lower half there, Gabe. That's My the, gosh. Okay, first it's of all. It's a family show. Jeez. Hey, that's <laughs> the first thing I look at 
on football players. <laughs> I'm staring straight at the hamstring, straight at the calves, but my eyes first and foremost, I'm going straight to the butt, the quads, the hammies, because guys that have those powerful legs have those big power centers. Those are good football players. I mean, it's just the truth. What? What did I say? What did I Nothing. say that's not true? Nothing. Just okay. Just let's that since we're getting weird. No, I yeah, think it's great. Yeah. It's, I think you're spot on. Since, Tell me since, more, Gabe. What else do you look at? Okay. Well, I did. <laughs> some things did stand out to me. Some of the weirder things that happened in the draft. Uh, you mentioned the Indianapolis Colts and what Ballard did. Uh, Jacob Eason's girlfriend and his brother. That clip. <laughs> I, what? What was going on there? The brother comes out. He's putting a shirt on. The girlfriend's fixing the hair. A lot has been inferred about what was going on at the Eason household, boys. I mean, if you're Jacob, you got to be serious. Like you're even. At, I would assume nothing was happening, but even for your brother to allow that to be a topic of conversation on Twitter while you're about to get drafted, I would be so upset. I mean, Jacob Easton has to be so pissed off at his brother. I, I'll tell you what's funny. Whenever you sent the rundown, I hadn't seen that, okay? So whenever you sent that on the rundown, I got on Twitter, and I was going to search for it. And <laughs> it's so funny because Jacob Eason is, you know, he's, he's a solid quarterback. He's a big kid. Big you know, arm. thought he was going to get drafted earlier. But I go to the search on Twitter, and I type a J. Right, and as soon as I type J, it says Jacob Eason's girlfriend. Right, I, so, it I mean, was the biggest story of the draft almost. It's like, golly, it doesn't. He's already had a bad day to begin with, you know, not getting drafted. You know, maybe as high as he thought, but now he's gonna, dude. You know, whenever he goes into the locker room, <laughs> it's the first thing first that thing. everyone is gonna talk about. <laughs> Right. And what's the story? Oh, no, no. She was just, you know, popping a pimple on the back. You know, it was no big deal. I mean, seriously, what's the story? I, I, ju I just watched it for the first time. That's, that's pure gold. Isn't it? It's, just, it's a little suspicious. I'm, I'm just going to – it looks talk weird. About, talk about pissing in a man's Cheerios, man. The guy's <laughs> already having a terrible day. I, I mean, how, man. How, how good does plummeting plummeting in the draft. <laughs> Now that's you're right. You're so right, Teddy. That's going to be the first thing guys bring up. I one serious note uh, from the NFL draft, and I thought it showed a lot about this young man's character. Uh, the way that T. Higgins handled that whole situation, where if you're watching the draft, T. Higgins gets drafted uh, in the second round by the Cincinnati Bengals. Him and Joe Burrow. That's going to be a hell of a combination. But the last bullet point on the graphic for ESPN said his mom had fought drug addiction for 16 years. And a lot of people were wondering, hey, why is that relevant right now? And there were a lot of stories like that. There was a lot of sad things. I mean, talking about guys whose parents took their lives, talking about people that passed away. I mean, there was a, there was a lot of heavy stuff that ESPN went with in their draft coverage. But this one in particular got a lot of blowback and it was understandable. I, I'm not sure why it was so why it was relevant in ESPN's mind to highlight it on a graphic that only had four bullet points about T Higgins, but they did. And T Higgins 
handled it as well as you could handle it on Twitter. He basically, he took a screenshot of the graphic and said this, I'm proud of my mom for turning her life around for me and my sister. I have no problem with them showing the world that my mom is a true fighter. And that showed me that the Cincinnati Bengals picked the right dude because that was, he, he's clearly talented. We saw all the plays he made for Clemson at the wide receiver position. I thought that showed a tremendous amount of maturity and character. Maturity. That's, that's the first word I thought of. Sometimes uh, the people we dub kids are more mature than the adults. Um, and, you know, hey, here's the thing, and, and ESPN has apologized. They said, quote, it was a mistake, and we apologize for it. We want our draft coverage to personalize players and where appropriate, acknowledge the obstacles they've had to overcome on their journey to the NFL. The graphic lacked proper context. It did. They screwed that up. I'm glad that they apologized. Should have never happened in the first place. And it, it, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll let you behind the curtain a little bit. And I can tell you that they want to tell those stories. Um, they want my wife, Ted's wife, your wife, our moms, people that aren't necessarily football fans to get invested, right? right? They, they, want to, they want to tell these stories. And I think if you're you know, in the right context, right? It's good. But in a lower third to just basically say that she fought, there's no reason for that. And it was a mistake. So um, bad shame on ESPN. I'm glad that they apologized for it. But the real story is, is exactly like you brought up, Gabe, the maturity um, and the type of young man that T Higgins is, how many guys in that spot are flying off the handle? Deservedly so, by the way, would have gotten no backlash uh, and, and really come after ESPN and, and question him. And he chose a, a much smarter route and one that's drawing a lot of attention and a positive light for him and his family. Here's what I think, you know, if you're ESPN, okay, and you want to bring that human element uh, to, to show that these guys are real people, they've gone through real struggles, and this is a, a big moment in their life. I mean, I get it if it's an in-person interview and this is something that he talks about a lot, right? Right. Like, this is a big motivation for me. This is why I get up and do what I do. This is, this is you know, you know, it, if you put it just on a graphic, right, and it, it just looks like it's forced. Like Dusty said, it's like there's a reason to bring it up if that's something that that guy talks about a lot. But if, if you're just into like digging through people's past and posting something on a bullet point, I mean, you can do that on pretty much anyone, right? It just, I don't know. I, I think it was probably in the right spot with what ESPN was trying. Like they were trying to, to showcase that he's Very, fought through some tough things. Yeah, a and, lot of emotional things in that broadcast. They, yeah. they dove into a lot of those stories. Just got to be a little bit, you know, a little bit better whenever you put yeah, it in. It's just, just the guy just had the best. The guy just had the best moment of his life, and it was similar the Jordan Love thing. Oh my gosh, the guy just all of a sudden Green Bay moves up in the first round to draft him, and we're learning about his dad and you know his dad taking his life, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is heavy. Well, this this is supposed to be the happiest moment of this kid's life. It, it was the other thing I mean, about was that is tough. whenever he did his interview. I, I found it frustrating that um, – who was it? Susie Colbert that was doing the interview with him yeah. live right after. It's like, 
well, you went to Green Bay, right? What do you think about that? Aaron Rodgers was there. Do you, did you think Green Bay was going to take you whenever they already have a quarterback? What do you think? Like trying to like find some type of soundbite there about, you know, him and Aaron Rodgers and why they took him. I don't know. I just – I thought that was a, a bit strange too. Hey, last thing for me from the draft, and, um, did, did Roger Goodell – take a nap on us on Friday night? I mean, not, did he not fall, a lot of energy. Did, not a lot of energy he, from Roger. Did he fall asleep in the recliner? I think he might have dozed off in the recliner. I can't blame him. The recliner looked nice, right? I, I, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was trying to just not be funny. I, I don't know what <laughs> was going I, I, No, that's just him. He's that's not just funny. him. <laughs> But uh, my, my last thing, and it does come from the undrafted free agent signings, uh, Trey Adams, who is an offensive lineman for Washington. Uh, a lot of you may remember he kind of stole the spotlight at the Combine with a leaked <coughs> interview where he answered honestly. They asked him, hey, if you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? And he, he said he would give himself a bigger appendage. Hey, we can all relate. We don't have to lie here. We can, we can relate. That's fine. But one thing I found hilarious, Dre Adams in free agency signs with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the weather in Buffalo, not going to help my man Trey's problem. It's, oh it's, not, it's, not, it's not the place to go. Stay out I of the cold tub. The temperatures. Stay out of the cold tub, Trey. It's, Ted lived in Buffalo. Ted can tell you how much snow comes down up there. Oh yeah, I, it's Ted. Ted and I cold. both were lucky enough to live in Buffalo. How about that? Oh, you Look played. You played for the Bills too. I didn't Twice, realize that. Sir. Two different Damn. times. So I've got some Bills stories. We'll we'll dive into some of those stories. Um, uh, no, no, nothing. I'm just looking. I'm I, again. I'm looking back at this rundown, and I'm just you know. Hey, we're, we're still on one number one. We're good. We're moving <laughs> right along. <laughs> All right, assholes. I love it. I love Sorry. It. I'm putting this all together. All you two have to do is show up and talk. So I don't want to hear any complaining. Okay, great talk. No. Here we go. Now, hey, we're going to move on to some new segments now, y'all. Uh, just a reminder, we would love to have these segments sponsored. So if you like one of these segments, if it tickles your fancy, feel free to reach out to us. You know how to get a hold of us. We're on all the social media platforms. You can reach out to any of us. It's fine. Does anybody know... How the term "tickle your fancy" came about? I don't know, but I and love it. I say it what, all the time. What's a fancy? My mom used to say it too. I've said it my whole life. I've, so I've said this, and I have no idea. I mean, I know what it infers, but at some point, do some research. Get the research team for the show. Yeah, we'll uh, get our want, producer, want, which is me. No, no, no. We'll get our we'll get our intern. Oh wait, no, that's me too. We'll get I our want, tech guy to do. Oh wait, no, that's me, and I have no technical skill. I want on I want I want on Friday show that will be recorded on Thursday night. Um, I want it to tell us where tickle my fancy came from and what in the hell is a fancy. I think we can do that. I'll remember that. I, I'll write that down. I'll write that Thank down. You. Okay, but this is a new segment we're debuting, and I think we all know why people listen to this podcast, and it's to hear me. <laughs> Dusty and Teddy break down basketball. I mean, that's why they're here, right? So yes. this segment is called 
football guys talking basketball or FGTB. So <laughs> some, some positive news, some truly positive news comes out this week from the NBA that some facilities in the States where shelter at home or shelter in place or stay at home is being walked back a little bit that players are going to be able to come work out at the facilities. Now, they're not going to be able to do it in group settings. It doesn't sound like they're not going to be able to play two-on-two two or three-on-three three or anything like that, but they're going to be able to come in the building and get some work in. Guys, is this something we should be excited about, or is this a whole lot of nothing? It's something. It ain't nothing. It steps in the right direction. Does it mean uh, we're definitely going to have NBA basketball soon? No. Uh, but it means that we're all – you know, starting to get acclimated to this new way of life and how we're going to go about business, conducting ourselves, our jobs. And I like the fact that the NBA is at least putting their toe in the water instead of doing nothing. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it's not massive. Again, it's not the NBA's firing up June 1st and let's go. But at the same time, it is progress and it steps in the right direction to get sports back up and running in this country, Ted. It does a heck of a lot more for me than some horse tournament on television does. With horrible right? video quality. <laughs> that was the <laughs> worst television I've ever watched. Uh, no, I think, it's, I think it's a step in the right direction, right? And um, I think, you know, the more barriers you kind of knock down, I think the faster we're going to pick up steam. You get everyone in that facility. Um, at first, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be weird. Guys are probably going to be keeping their distance, but – the more they're around people, the more they're going to get used to it. Uh, I know it's like they're, they're not going to be doing any drills in there, but we all know by the end of day two, there's going to be pickup games happening and they're going to be getting some work done. So, yeah, I think, we're, I think it's good. The, the more people that are getting in, into facilities and starting to, to get close playing, I think that's, that's a good thing. We need it. Yeah, and with phase one of kind of reopening the economy here in the state of Oklahoma, starting – on May 1st, you, you would assume that the Oklahoma City Thunder are one of the teams they are going to be able to have their guys show up and work out and get some shots up and everything, get back in the groove and start working on getting prepared for whenever basketball happens Someone's going to have to explain to me how Dusty buying flowers at Lowe's and Home Depot is essential, but basketball is not essential, right? How does that happen? There's some nice ass flowers, Ted. I mean, you <laughs> should see them. They're have seen, beautiful. Have you seen those I pots, mean, man? Come on. Yeah, I mean, Ted. You, I mean, come check out my flowers sometime. I'm just there, telling you. You're no, you're right though. Uh, you're you're absolutely right, Ted. Again, we don't know, but I think I think steps in the right direction. So hey, don't don't have to push it too hard, but at least as things are opening up in different local governments in different states, where. Um, Teams that have the opportunity are opening the doors and allowing the players in. So let's see what happens. I like it, man. I'm, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, I think it's, it's certainly um, movement in the right direction for the world of sports with what we saw from the NBA. Now, the second part of Football Guys Talking Basketball, The Last Dance, Episode 3. Now, full disclosure, we started recording this during Episode 4, so we will break down Episode Wait, 4. Wait, it's Monday. Come on. We, we, he already told everyone it was Sunday. Uh, 
Yeah. And you feel like you guys are making fun of me. I'm just trying. I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm trying my best. We did all watch episode three, which is kind of labeled as the Dennis Rodman episode. First of all, Southeast Oklahoma State University. What, what? Gets a shout out. Let's go, which is always fun. Uh, but I thought it was an extremely interesting look, look into what Rodman brought to that team. I like how they started with what he was doing in Detroit and kind of the rivalry between Detroit and the Bulls before all of it. But I, I thought Gary Payton summed it up in perfect words, as Gary Payton tends to do, when he simply called Rodman the fuck-up person. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, everything you try to do, he, he's going to mess it up. And I thought that was such a, such a proper description I couldn't Dennis tell Dennis Rodman as a basketball player. Yeah, was he talking about him on the court or Yeah, was he was that saying like <laughs> you tried to, well, hey, we all know he <laughs> he dabbled off the court, but it, it was so true. He, Gary Payton was like, "Hey, you're trying to get into your stuff and Rodman just messes it all up." I mean, that clip that's of what him he does. Garden uh Magic when Magic was trying to get free to get the ball was just like that was that was great. I mean, it it was cool, man. I and, and I'll just tell you guys, I didn't get all the way through it. I'm about probably 20 minutes away from finishing it. But, man, I'm locked in. I love this thing. This series is awesome. Um, I'm two and a half episodes in, and I can't wait to watch more. Uh, it's, dude, I'll tell you one of the things, not to veer off from Robin too much, but it's amazing the difference in the NBA in those clips from, like, 88-89 to 91-92. It's completely different. It looked like it went from they're playing down at the, you know, the arena, and then all of a sudden it's like a huge explosion of people. There's advertising. There's billboards everywhere inside. The, it's just – it's crazy how commercialized the sport you know, it just transformed in like four or five years. It's nuts. Um, I absolutely love this documentary. Uh I, as much as I love this podcast, I can't wait to finish so I can go finish. That's the only thing that I'm upset with you about, Gabriel, is you've interrupted my uh, my last dance uh, watching. I, I love me some Dennis Rodman, always have. I just – the bad boys, the Pistons, I don't know what it was because I was, I was probably six, seven years old then. It's not like I remember, but I just remember there's something about their tough, their rugged, Bill Lambeer, Dennis Rodman, all those guys, and – I, I don't know. I just always liked the worm. I, I just thought that he was, he was tough. He was hard-nosed. He did not care about going into the stands to rescue a ball. I just, I don't know. I always appreciated that about watching him. And then he changed, right? And as it, as it documented, uh, it was interesting how it talked about the influence Madonna had on him and how Madonna kind of helped him as they dated find his identity. And that's what spiraled off into this whole new being that was Dennis Rodman uh, I thought that was interesting how that was kind of Madonna influenced and it was like you know be yourself and find who you are and he I still don't know if, if Rodman has found exactly who he is but uh, that intrigued me and then the way he incorporated as a guy who was a an enemy I mean was was hated by Jordan and by the Bulls and then they welcome him in and he's a key piece, especially in that last season with no Scottie Pippen when they turn their season around and they ultimately win that third straight championship. So I thought that was just – I think Rodman's a fascinating human being. And um, his, 
his journey to the NBA into a five-time NBA champion is just one like we've never seen. And then lastly, the Jordan rules aspect of that was awesome. My favorite part of the whole thing, yeah. when that assistant coach was breaking down exactly what the Jordan rules were, and then they all kind of said, and if he got into the paint, knock his ass down. Yeah. Like, that was – Lambeer that, and Mahorn take care of him in the air. If Yo, he goes hey, to the baseline – Speaking of Lambeer, who's the dude that caught the overhand right from Lambeer on the – He got him. Right on, oh, right on the chin. Dude, right on he, the chin. Uh, I couldn't think of anything worse as having a uh, a highlight reel role for the 40 years of me getting punched by Bill Lambeer. And uh, one of my favorite things, just, you know, when looking at Michael Jordan in episode three of The Last Dance, him talking trash to the beat writers before <laughs> the Cleveland se- – or uh, yeah. before game five against Cleveland, where That's he was good. like, hey, we proved you wrong. We already proved you. I'm about to prove you wrong. I just imagined coaches right now that constantly tell their players, hey, don't read what they write about you. Don't read that stuff on Twitter. Don't read that stuff on Instagram. Don't read the newspaper. All of a sudden, the most popular documentary on planet Earth has the best basketball player ever talking trash to beat writers about what they wrote about him. Like, yo, don't read your press clippings. Oh, uh, uh, but Michael Jordan did it. Don't read that crap, but if you do read it, use it for some motivation to go out there and throw it in their face. I thought it was cool. You know, I, um, I, I've obviously seen that clip of him hitting that jumper over poor Craig Elo um, a billion times. Just Ron Harper was very happy that he wasn't he, guarding Jordan. It's not that he doesn't think about that shot every single day of his life, but it was cool to have some context, right? And to see Jordan hit the shot, and we've all seen the celebration, but to find out that that was like the over-the-hump moment for him and his career. He'd accomplished a lot, but at that time, he was kind of the yeah-but guy. You know, yeah, he's won this, but he hasn't done anything in the playoffs. So I thought that was cool to put some context behind that highlight. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, I mean, this this thing is just so well done. Uh, I can't wait for all 10 episodes of this thing. It, it's just been unbelievable, especially they've held on to this footage for so long. And I'm Quick so glad that Michael Jordan finally agreed to let people see this stuff. Well, he's not going to – it took – He's making that, a boatload of money off this thing. It took no half doubt. a bottle of scotch, apparently, that he's got sitting next to him for him to agree to it. But, okay, so – <laughs> what did you guys think about the so like I love the bad boys Detroit yes how, and, and I love all those guys on the ground they're scrapping they're fighting they're hammering each other like there's there's that basketball and then there's like what we have today which is it's up tempo there's tons of scoring there's ton, tons of long long range shots and stuff and and guys can fill it up like, where do you guys fall? Because I know some people like to see guys hit great shots and, and stuff like that. And I think there's a very few amount of people that like to see kind of the brutal sport that it was uh, in, the, in the 80s and early 90s. I like it. What, do you guys like that style of basketball or no? I like it all. It's kind of like yeah. music for me, right? I mean, you asked me what kind of music I like, and I was like, yes. I mean, I like you it all. You can win with um, it, right? It's like yeah, whatever wins. It, it, yeah, and, and for me, like, I, I can – I got no problem watching Golden State move the ball around and knock down beautiful open shots. Like, I'll watch the Splash Brothers go to work. 
Sorry, Gabe. I know how crucial. What the hell? What, what are you doing? I, I know. Don't, how, do, I don't know. say that. I um, still think about that game six. It haunts me in my dreams. Damn you, Clay Thompson. But do I like the physical nature, the tenacity in which they played, and the fact that, I mean, if you were going to go to the paint, it was a business decision, man. Like, mm-hmm. I like that. It changes the, it changes the mentality. And, but it's just, I don't think, I don't know if I like one more than the other, Ted. Probably, uh, I would say a little bit more physical game suits my eye, but um, I don't know. It's just, it, it's interesting because I could say the same to you about the NFL. We could pop sure. in football footage uh, from the late 1980s and we could watch, it's actually interesting how sloppy a football was back then. Uh, compared to what it is now. But, like, I mean, the cheap shots, the hits on quarterback, the different things, and we could argue back and forth, do you prefer that way over now? While I love that physical, brutal style of football, and a receiver comes over the middle, he gets his head taken off, that was what we all cheered for. But now we're, I'm kind of like, as much as I love that, I understand, and I still love football the way it's played now, too. So I guess you know. my beef is the – at some point, and I know guys always did it, but there was a there was a, uh, a a turn in mindset of like drawing fouls, right? Of, of the James to create, Harden's, create the Chris that Paul's. contact. Yeah, yeah. I think that is really what rubs me wrong. Instead of an honest play to the hoop, and you got fouled, you got fouled. Fine, I like that. But whenever you're trying to create guys. Uh, fouling, I don't know. We don't have to spin off on that. I just, I just thought it was interesting how they talked about the, the beautiful sport and how they were getting a ton of pushback even then for the way they played. I mean, here's the deal, though. And if you Thunder fans, uh, and I like the Thunder too, though my loyalty is with the Dallas Mavericks, if we're being completely honest. Oh, um, I'm sorry. If, if um, what, Chris Paul, I don't know. Who's your favorite player, Thunder Boys? I don't know. Who is it? I mean, is it SGA? Uh, is it Dennis Schroeder? Tell me, Gabe, when you're down there standing and high-fiving them, are you going to still high-five the players, Gabe, after the, yes, the, I'm the gonna coronavirus? High, I'm going to high-five, and okay. I'm going to have Perel in my pocket, <laughs> and once I high-five, I will sanitize properly. Duh. Who do you, okay, so let's just say uh, Chris Paul, Ted. Um, playoffs, you know, Thunder got a chance to win the opening. We, we bounce back opening series. And let's just say it's the old school, no rules, right? Bare knuckle boxing matches, basically, is what we were watching in the late 80s. Chris Paul goes up for a layup, and he gets hammered. Done. Out. Game, playoff, over. Okay? How do you feel about it then? You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that Jordan was able to continue to get up was awesome. But if he hadn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I do think there's an element of physical play within it. And though I appreciate it and I consider I think it was awesome, if if you're watching your team go against a style like we watched by those dudes in Detroit, you would not like that at all. Because those guys weren't (laughs) trying to – they weren't trying to play physical basketball. They were literally going out there trying to injure dudes on the floor every single night. I probably would have switched teams. Like I would have started rooting (laughs) for the other team at some point. No, I mean, I get the point, and it's always – like basketball is the strangest thing. It's like, you know, when James Harden's on your team and – he travels 15 steps on a, on a crossover before shooting a three. It's like, Oh, what a sweet move. But right. whenever he's on the other team, it's like, 
are we just not going to call that now? I guess is it like traveling's not a thing. So yeah, I mean, I get it. It's, I don't know. It, it's kind of a, I don't know. I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting that even back then they were getting the, uh, the, the blowback for, for the way that they played, which, Hey, they had to, to win, which I love. And that's football guys talking basketball. We made oh. it through. Wow. <laughs> FGTB baby. FGTB. FGTB. That sounds like a good shirt or even a hat, an FGTB hat. That oh, would be kind of Speaking cool. of shirts, look at this, guys. Can you read that? Oh, Oklahoma breakdown shirt. Wow. That's look a, at him. That's a hostie shirt that I bought at a concert of his in a park like 10 years ago. Yeah, and we, cool. we need to thank. So that's very my, cool. Mike Hostie very cool. is a close family friend uh, of, of ours. Um, his wife was very close to my wife's family. And I, I reached out to him and told him, hey, we're thinking about using the Oklahoma Breakdown as a title for this podcast. Hey, what, what do you think? And he was so fired up. And before I even asked, and I was, of course I was going to ask, but he said, hey, use the song. Don't worry about it. You have my permission. Blah, blah. I mean, was, before I even could bring it up, I've known him for a long time and just wanted hey thank him for allowing us to use that because I got a lot of good feedback. People are like, dude, that song leading into it got me going. I was like, that's kind of the whole point. That's what we're going after. Good stuff. All right, boys, we're going to, we're going to finish this. We're going to finish this with one more new segment. And this one is going to be kind of special. I think to all of us because we're calling it keeping it local. And this is something where we're highlighting what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma or in this weekend's case, what didn't happen. And as everyone knows, the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon was supposed to be on Sunday, but due to everything going on in the world with coronavirus, it's been rescheduled to October 4th. So I, I just wanted to remind a lot of people that if, if you signed up, it's still good when the race comes around on October 4th. If you haven't signed up and you couldn't go this weekend maybe, but you can October 4th, then you can sign up at okcmarathon.com. And something really cool that is happening is now you can run the Oklahoma City Memorial Marathon or Half Marathon on October 4th. And then if you participate in the Williams Route 66 Marathon, Route 66, Route 66, Route 66, Route. Route 66 Marathon on November 22nd, you'll receive a special commemorative medal. So you get a cool medal if you do both. Now, I'm not going to do both because I don't believe in long distance running, but maybe some people that listen to this will. I'm not one of them. I could, I'm going to sign up. Is there a fun run that's like 800 meters or something like that that you can do? I would, I would do that with you. And I, I have not run, and this, this is true, except for one time, and I remember it vividly. One time, my wife and I, we were out walking our dogs, and the radar looked like it was good for about an hour, and the radar was wrong. So we had to book it back on this probably about a year ago. But that is the only time that I have jogged since I retired in 2008. The last time I ran was probably January of 2018. Doesn't it feel good to not run? Oh, I feel so great. I've been pelotoning. My joints feel awesome. It's tremendous. Dusty <laughs> hammers out the treadmill, man. What do you run a couple miles a couple times a week? 
I go, I, I have uh, treadmill. I've been outside as of late. And then the Peloton, I try to get in three or four times a week as well. So, hey, man, I'm getting older. Gabe, you're still young and that metabolism is working in your favor. Just wait, okay? You're going to have to double that cardio. And I know you're still doing cardio at the Peloton, but I have to mix it in. I got to get a little bit of running in with my Peloton to keep my sanity. But Peloton has been a savior for those knees, boy. I'll tell you that. It's been great. Yeah. Um, another hey, thing. I, I, I just want to say this, though, uh, real quick to, to echo what you were saying. Such a special um, event, man. Uh, I'm, just a bummer it didn't happen. Seriously. I um, – I'm from Texas, uh, so I'm, a, uh, I'm an adopted son of the state of Oklahoma. And I didn't know, obviously, growing up in Dallas, you heard about the bombing. But I, you know, you know it's, it's not that it's not real, but you don't quite understand until you get here. And uh, I think that the city's just done an outstanding job with the memorial, um, with the marathon, um, honoring the memories of, of those who were tragically lost. And it was the 25th year anniversary this year. And as I'm sure a lot of us did, I woke up last Sunday morning and I was flipping around the local news stations. And I just want to give it up to News 9 where I work. Uh, I was watching them in particular. I'm sure all the local stations were. But the coverage they had um, to, to honor um, all the families and, and just to talk about re- remembering what happened, it was tremendous. And it got me sitting there on my couch last Sunday morning. I'm getting kind of teary-eyed, just like, I, wow. Dude, when they showed the pictures of the children that yeah. had passed away in the bombing, dude, I was, I, was, I was sitting there crying. I was. Yeah. It's, and every single year, every time it rolls around, it's same. it just creates so many emotions for people in Oklahoma City and in the entire state of Oklahoma um, it, it's part of this city's identity. And so is the marathon now. It, it really and is. And my wife has run, she's run the half twice and then she's run the relay too. And each time she's done it, uh, either myself or the last two times, myself and my kids go down there, make signs. And um, that is a phenomenal event. And I don't, I don't, I'm, there's a lot of people uh, who should take a lot of credit for that, but it really is. And you can feel, um, the energy of that event if you ever get a chance to go down there. So I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, Gabe, because um, it has not been forgotten and has not been canceled. It's just been moved to a later date, which I'm sure in October they're going to knock it out of the park like they always do. And if you haven't made a trip to the memorial down downtown, you have to. If I know we probably have some out-of-state listeners here and uh, that are Sooner fans. If you've never been down there and, and taken that tour and walked around that site, it's a must-see. You've absolutely got to do it. It's fantastic. It is. It is such a special place, such an an emotional place. But uh, it's definitely worth it. If you've never been, you you got to make it to the Oklahoma City bombing memorial. All right, boys. Last thing that we're gonna do in the keeping it local segment, we opened up the old mailbag. I I opened yes. up the DMs on the Dangerous. show Twitter now. You can find us on pretty much any social media platform now. I'm trying my best, guys, to handle all of these things. <laughs> I, once again, not very tech savvy, but I'm learning a lot quickly. And it is going to be really interesting to see how this goes. I'm going to keep doing my best. But we got a great question. Uh, this comes from 
Blaine Brown on Twitter, at BlaineBrown24. Great listener of uh, my, my radio show, uh, by the way, which is 11 to 2. 98.1 okay, WWLS. I told you. the monsters of the midday. I told you Sorry. before the show that now when we sign off, when we close the show, oh, I'm going to mention oh. how they can listen to you guys oh, yeah. throughout the week. 98.1 WWLS. Yes, oh, yes okay. we know. Thank you. <laughs> we right. appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Blaine Brown chimes in and says, what is the must-watch show that you guys have watched during quarantine, of course, besides Tiger King. Yeah, I got mine, Ballers. I got hooked on Ballers, never watched it. Um, my wife, if we're being completely honest, I think she finds Dwayne Johnson much more attractive than me. <laughs> um, I don't know what the hell she's looking at. You know what I mean? My tats are way better than his tats. But uh, maybe it's the bald head, Ted. Maybe I should be weird hey. for looking in your direction. I don't know. But I started watching that, and we're on season five, the final season, and I love it. Like, look, it's, it's very much like – did you guys like Any Given Sunday? Oh, yeah, my gosh. I did. So yeah. good. So, so we'd all agree, though Any Given Sunday is – I think it's highly entertaining and a lot of fun to watch. It's not very realistic, and it's not painting the real picture of what the NFL is like. We agree with I, that, right? I don't know. I, I could picture you jumping on top of a Hummer and cutting it in half with a chainsaw at a party. You never did Def that? Well, maybe once or twice in college, but we're not supposed to tell those stories. Um, but, but seriously, um, it's not very realistic. And neither is Ballers, but it's highly entertaining. So it's not like I watch it and go, anyone should watch it and think, man, that's a good depiction of what a, a money manager, an agent, or what it's like in the NFL. No. But it's entertaining, and I would say if you have not ever watched it, I'd highly recommend uh, Ballers. Well, listen, it, it doesn't have to be realistic for you to enjoy something. I mean, take, for instance, Tiger King. I mean, uh, there's no way in real life that a lady <laughs> would, would never happen. husband and feed him to tigers <laughs> or a guy would open some tiger zoo in Oklahoma and feed him food out of a Walmart truck. That would never happen, but it's entertaining nonetheless, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, it, it's certainly entertaining. Now, we got another – or actually, I'll say mine. We did – we've been big into Ozark. I've been Same. waiting for my wife to finally catch up so we can watch season three. And she's finally caught up, so I'm about to dive into that. And then we watch Succession, uh, the HBO show. Now, there's only two seasons of that, but those are the two that we've watched uh, throughout this madness that has taken place. Now, we got a really interesting question in the mailbag, and this is one that I saw Teddy address on, on Twitter as well. And this comes from Dan Scott, which I feel like is fake, but you know what? It is what it is. Uh, what are your thoughts on Joseph Harris's statement? released over the weekend about OU planning on having students on campus in the fall. Teddy, I know you saw it and you were very happy. No, I, I loved it. I, I think it's, it's exactly what you want from leadership, right? Uh, he, he tells you what they're planning on doing, right? They're planning on having students on campus this fall. Um, he, he lays out a plan for that and he says, hey, we understand that things may change between now and then, and we're going to have to be flexible. We may have to change some things during the fall once we're, we have students there. 
but we're taking all the precautions we can. We're doing everything we can to minimize the risk. But as of right now, we want our students to enjoy the, the experience of being on campus for school and getting their education. And I, I, I thought it was well done. It's, it's laying out a plan. It's, it's saying that we don't, we don't know everything. We don't know what's gonna happen three months from now, but this is our plan and this is our goal and this is where we're moving forward. And it's not a, a off cuff shooting from the hip statement of, boy, I, I just, I don't know how we could go and play football in the fall, or I don't know how it'd be possible to have students come to OU for, um, for campus this, this fall to, to have their, their schooling, but it's a, it's a plan, right? And is it in concrete? Is it guaranteed that that's what they're going to do? No, but that's what they're working towards. And I think it gives people optimism. I think it gives people a hope that things can return to normal here pretty quickly. And it's just, it's well thought out and it's done properly. It's not the, like I said, shoot from the hip that we've seen from a lot of people out there. And I got to tell you, this dude, since he's taken over as interim president has had one ordeal after the after the other and then a rough go of it man and bigger along the way and i i gotta tell you add all of that all the things that have happened with a university that was in some budget trouble i think all in all he's done a really good job it's been brutal but he's done good i we all know uh is it can i call him joe or is it president harris i I, i'm gonna call him Joe. I mean, I uh, called Joe to his face. So I think I feel like we can call him. Joe. I've always called him Joe, but I, to be completely honest, I don't think I've had a chance to, I don't think I've seen him. Well, probably have since he's become Prez. We'll just call him Prez. Uh, he's an awesome guy. I, I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Joe Harris. I was so excited when he was named interim and I'm sure I'm hoping that at some point he's, he's the full-time president. I, I can't, I can't really say a whole lot more than what Ted said. Yeah, that was um, great, Teddy. I, I think I think Ted nailed it, and it's exactly how I felt. And, um, you know, contrary to what we've heard from some other presidents that we talked about on Thursday, which was actually played on Friday, um, it was they, well thought you, you out. Gotta, you got to <laughs> get over this, man. It's just how it works. You got to get over it, bro. It wasn't, it, it wasn't ended with, well, we, we really don't know anyway. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. It was thought out. There's a plan in place while also understanding we might have to be flexible. This isn't in concrete, but we feel that we can have kids on campus to get their education and and provide a healthy place for that to happen. And I think it's, it's exactly what Ted said. It provides hope. It provides optimism. And I'm just going to be real. I look at that, too, because I'm also a parent of three kids that will all be in school next year. And a lot of people listen to this podcast are, too. And I'm not saying that whatever the Oklahoma University does is exactly what the public schools are going to do, but I'd be willing to bet it's pretty close to in line. So I think that not only does that give me optimism for a lot of things, also football, as we talked about, because we've got to have kids on campus, uh, but it gives me hope for a lot of things that potentially – could open up and maybe next fall there's kids on campuses our kids are going to school and who knows what else but we also recognize I'll go back to what I said last week I think the month of May is going to tell us so much I think that these next 30 days are going to give us a much better indicator what type of situation we're looking at into the summer and into the fall months very well said one, gentlemen. one quick thing that that statement that he put out doesn't come without 
uh, risk and, and taking a ton of blowback, right? That's right. Any president across the country, university-wise, could have came out with that statement, but a lot of people are scared of the blowback, and it's going to come. And because there's a lot of people out there, I call them virus backers, that feel like we should stay in our in our uh, homes and bunkers for 18 months until there's a vaccine. And those people are going to attack you no matter what you did. So it, it was brave of him to come out and put that statement out. I loved it. Yeah, uh, I think it was very well done. It was certainly better than what we heard from UConn's president and Arizona's president uh, last week. Hell, was, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, boys. Hey, see you in 2022. Hell, hey, I'm out of here. Episode two in the buck in the books. The buck. What the hell was? What does that even mean? In the books. Uh, another episode. Coming Friday morning, we'll have an interview with Super Bowl champion Blake Bell, who has had yeah. a couple of crazy months. The old belldozer, that guy's liver, has taken an absolute <laughs> beating since that Super Bowl win with hey, the Chiefs. He, he had a Pro Bowl outing at the Oklahoma-Texas men's basketball game that I was attending. I'd oh, be willing yeah. to bet anything – Gabe was front and center at the Thunder game because he'd much rather go to the Thunder game than support his alma mater. But I, do I was both. actually at – I had I had the opportunity. You live I, in Norman. I live I, in Oklahoma City. Now, let me just say this. I do live in Norman. It is probably equal distance from, how many, from my driveway to how get many OU to Chesapeake as it would be to quick, the Lloyd Noble. Quick question. How Ted, many OU lion, things – About the exact same. Just True. a quick question, quick follow-up over here, uh, here in the back, Mr. Dvorak. How many OU things did you go to when you lived in Arizona? What I'm saying to you is I didn't have any that I was obligated to go to. Uh -huh. Look, we could have a whole show uh -huh. over my ass moving to Arizona. That's <laughs> not what we're here for, okay? That's what right. we're here for is for me to tell you about Blake Bell at that night – they go to him on the Jumbotron, and he's got a beer in his hand. So we've seen all the football players when you're at a sporting event. you got to pound the beer. Of course. As the belldozer would, boom, no problem. Ah, everybody's going crazy. Blake Bell, we love him. And it was great, right? So into the game comes up, close tight game. That was, by the way, awful when he hit that buzzer beater. Oh, I just I wanted to puke for those, those seniors. But. They come back later in the game. He doesn't have a beer. Girlfriend's got a beer. Blake looks at her, grabs her beer, pounds the beer. Bam! Champion not only of a Super Bowl, but also in the hearts of Oklahoma Sooner fans everywhere. It was well done. Lincoln and he Riley will... chugged that water, though. That was pretty nice. That was good. Good <laughs> technique. So, Blake, Blake will join us on Friday. And, by the way, that girlfriend, now fiancé. Uh, how about that? How about that? Hubba, oh, hubba. And, Here's a reminder, everyone. I don't know if you know this, but you can hear Dusty from 11 to 2. Oh, don't on talk about my animal. stuff. Please don't. <laughs> and you can see him on ESPN and News 9. And you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6, right? Teddy, you do Correct. four hours? 2 yep. to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. If you want to listen more to me, you can catch me on ESPNU Radio and Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM this week. And that's it. Episode two in the books. Until next time, we appreciate you listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. The river can wait for another night.